Hey everybody, I'm Peter and I'm a moody teenager. He's nasty and he lives in the shadows. He's Mike. How you doing? Mm-hmm. Good. Um, <laughs> together, we're Rebels Rebels, the podcast where we explore the Star Wars Expanded Universe through a deep dive of the animated series Star Wars Rebels. And today our guest is a comedian killing it in the main streets of New York City. She's also a podcaster, co-host of the Unlimited Lives podcast, and the recently completed Fifth Element, a minute-by-minute podcast analyzing the 1997 movie The Fifth Element. She's also a frequent guest on multiple Movies by Minute podcasts and is known the world over as the queen of movies by minute podcasts. It's Crystal Bat. Hi. Wowie. Well, that was so nice. We're going to we're going to add that to your Wikipedia now. I think that that's I you know what? I approve because I never know how to describe what I do and I think that was very eloquent even though I think a little too nice. Well, put it on your resume. Yeah, I know, right? You got to resumes are hard <laughs> to write cuz you always have to, you know, talk about yourself like you like yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm so good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a ton or so we're told. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that social media stuff at Rebels Rebels Pod or email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. You guys, are you ready to jump into the show? I'm ready. I too am ready. Are three ready? Nice. All right. So a quick episode recap. This is season one, episode eight, Gathering Forces. Uh, Kanan and Ezra try to protect an Imperial deserter by distracting the Imperial forces. All right, so the episode begins right away with a pursuit. We have the ghost being pursued by high fighters, and this uh, takes place immediately after the events of Empire Day, which was episode seven, and the crew is being chased by the Inquisitor in that new prototype TIE fighter and a squad of Imperial fighters. The first thing I want to chat about is his sick-ass helmet. Yeah. It's so metal. The Inquisitor looks like he should be in a Swedish death metal band. It's really good. Yeah, he's so cool. One of my favorite things of just this... I've only seen season one of Rebels because I'm very behind in everything. But I love how they animate his swag. Seriously. Oh, my God. He is just like... The way his shoulders move and it's just like... Oh, I can't I can't walk like that. And I'm a I'm a person. The fact that they can animate that like cocky, slow, like he would never run anywhere, no, you know, even though he totally. does. But that's it's that kind of walk. Well, at one point I remember it's funny you said that because I remember him walking and I was like, that's very Freddie Mercury. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I like, and I like that he's wearing like horse riding pants. Sure. They're like kind of poofy <laughs> and then yeah. they go down with the boots. Maybe he has a Tauntaun farm. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very uh, bourgeoisie. Ooh, I'm assuming the helmet does something because there's no, there's no practical reason you'd have a helmet in a Tie Fighter. Like if your Tie Fighter exploded, you'd be sucked and you'd be in space and you'd die, right? So right. the helmet is, I'm assuming, just for like targeting. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because like just the nameless TIE fighter pilots all have helmets and X-Wings fighters have helmets, but they never put helmets on the main people. So I'm wondering why the Inquisitor has a helmet, but like, you know, 
Hera, for the most part, never wears it. Yeah. I always thought what Hera has on her head is her, like, flight helmet. But even though it doesn't cover her face. <laughs> her, like, old school football helmet thing? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like, what was it, like, that chipmunk show? Oh, where, Rescuers. Like, yeah, it looks like the Rescuers helmet. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, know so what I'm watching tonight. In the middle of this fight, um, I like this part a lot. So, Ezra is pressing Zebo. It's always hard for me to say that because it's a silent T. But Zebo... More about his parents because there was a cliffhanger that Sebo knows what happened to his parents and he gets dark. It's the first appearance of Dark Ezra. Sabine, I need you in the nose gun now. Didn't you hear Hera? Didn't you hear Sebo? He said he knows what happened to your parents. I already know what happened. They're dead. So go. Mm. Which I really like that dynamic. Um, and we dive into it a little more toward the end of the episode. I feel like Ezra just watched The Crow for the first time and was like, <laughs> I know what dark is. <laughs> Very moody teenager. Because <laughs> that's what I did when I was a kid. I watched The Crow and then I drew it on all my new notebooks and I was dark. <laughs> I used to wear eyeliner so in high dark. school, so I really <laughs> Oh man, I didn't wear eyeliner in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Sibo in response says Sibo was afraid. Sibo could not raise Ezra Bridger. That was sad. Yeah. I felt like the, I felt like that line was very Harry Potter. Like Sibo's this weird mix of like Wormtail and Sirius Black. Like mm. he's kind of like, I was supposed to be your godfather, but I like betrayed <laughs> your parents. And, it was and then like, I turned into a I rat. think you need to sprinkle a little bit of Dobby in there too. Ooh, <laughs> totally. Because of the because of his eyes and I don't know, Siebel, his eyes and the way he speaks and he's so like meek and oh, quiet but yeah, yeah he is a the third he is yeah. everyone who's ever loved harry and then dicked him over true <laughs> yeah and he totally speaks in third person like dolby uh which kind of annoyed me a little bit because he broke it a few times and went out of yeah. the third person but i guess maybe that was like the the headset messing with him uh, yeah, yeah i i chalked it up to because he kept coming in and out. I feel like you went, he goes back into it when he goes into the third person when his brain is addled. So he kind of sees himself like he's outside of himself because he has so much knowledge in his head mm -hmm. that he knows he's him, but he doesn't see himself as himself anymore because you can't be if you have a bunch of extra information in your head, in my theory. And then especially when he apologizes, that's when he can come into it and be himself for like, Two seconds at least. Ooh, I like that. The Inquisitor's TIE Fighter, remember, he's in that new prototype type advanced TIE, and we mentioned it has a warhead launcher. And so this he launches from the warhead launcher an XX-23. Shout out to Michael Jordan. XX-23 <laughs> S-Thread Tracker, um, which was originally introduced in Kraken's Rebel Field Guide, which was a guidebook for a D&D-esque Star Wars role-playing game from 1991 hmm. so that tracker has appeared in previous star wars stuff um also another little easter egg is it lands like it attaches to the phantom on this like emblem it's like a red emblem thing i don't know what it means but that originally showed up on uh the first visual effects model for the millennium falcon when they were first creating star wars Oh man, I love when Star Wars people make Star Wars Seriously. stuff. Seriously. It's the 
best. Yeah, some people don't uh, get why like I'm so into the, just the weird details and nerdy canon stuff, but like this stuff really. Oh, jeez, I love this stuff. It gets it gets me going. It's what makes the Star Wars universe different than any other movie universe because there's no retconning. Like you get through Marvel, uh, Star Trek's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe you go through Harry Potter, but that doesn't span decades and generations. Yeah. You know, it like it's the holocron really makes Star Wars its own little special thing. Totally. Like I think it's that's what I love about the science fiction fantasy kind of stories. Like Game of Thrones is the same way. Harry Potter, like you mentioned, like if you just want to read the book or see the show, just do the cursory thing. Like it's just a fun show. It's a bunch of like space kids like with laser swords. But like if you want to spend uh-huh. hours and do a podcast and read about the history of spice mines on Ke- of Kessel, like there's hours and hours of stuff to listen to read about. So and it's way more interesting than American history. So <laughs> there we go. Probably. Um, so Chopper was blowed up, um, so he's not shooting back. Which so. is a real sad moment. I mean, essentially, Chopper is dead in this moment. I was actually wondering that later on, because they kind of just put him back together, and he kind of freaks out in this really funny way, <laughs> where his like, head spins and he gets <laughs> in kung, kung fu mode. But like, <laughs> did they essentially... Did he die, and then they brought him back to life? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. Seems like it. And it's funny, because when he was freaking out, when he like when they fixed him and he came to like I, in my mind, I was imagining him being like, I've seen the light. You have no idea what's on the other side. <laughs> yeah, and he's like trying, he's like getting existential on everyone and no one's listening. <laughs> that makes Zeb's reaction so much better. Cause he's like, shut up your rust bucket, get to work. And it's like, I had an yeah. epiphany. Oh, he says it with his little smile though. Yeah. That's the best, but he's so mean, but he's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Such a big sweetie pie. Yeah. Uh, so I also the when Chopper comes to, he reminds me of people that don't take naps and they <laughs> nap and they wake up and they're like, what happened? What day is it? What's going on? Is it tomorrow? What? And it's like 11 p.m. And they're like, I can never sleep again. And by people, I mean me. That's what happens when I take a nap. Yeah. I wake up and I'm like, ah, nah, what's happening? And that's what, when he wakes up, I'm like, yep, that's, that's accurate. Especially if you're coming from death. Yeah, it's amazing. That must be crazy too. Cause when he wakes up, like he doesn't know if it's been 15 minutes or 30 years, like what he yeah. turns around and like Zeb has a big gray purple beard. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Um, so since chopper is down, Hera orders Ezra to fix the hyperdrive, which I don't think he's qualified for. Um, no, yeah, and he's struggling because it's not setting him up for success. Yeah, I mean, and it's like there's no one else on the ship who's qualified to do that other than this dude you just picked up who was basically a street orphan. Yeah, you would think Sabine would be the right answer, seriously. Yeah, and it, yeah, so he's completely struggling. And I love that uh, Sibo just walks in and uh, and like I, I can't really tell what he does, it looks like he's fiddling with something. But I, I mean, yeah. I also, I don't know how ship panels work, so <laughs> I know some something's happening. Uh, my theory is, um, so I forgot what movie it is, but basically C-3PO talks to the Millennium Falcon in one of the movies and says like, oh, he's got a weird, the oh, Millennium yeah. Falcon has a weird dialect. It's, yeah. So I feel like this. A New Hope. Oh, okay. Perfect. A New Hope. Because it's when they're in the, the, isn't it when they're, because they were in the. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad because I've been watching too much Rebels. I haven't seen the actual movies in a while. Hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, so in A New Hope, he's talking. He's like, oh, the Millennium Falcon has a strange dialect. So I feel like the ships have some sort of AI on there and you have to navigate right. with that and kind of like use computers to talk to it. So I th- what I think Sibo did is straight up like plugged his brain into the ghost and uh-huh. like just told the ghost like, hey, your nav computer's broken, but we want to go here. And the ghost is like, okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's probably just as easy as that. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a theory, but I don't know. Could really use that nav computer. Rewind fast as I fast travel over interstellar distances. Hyperspace is optimal. What is he doing? Um, so the ghost gets all happy and all the, everything turns green. And then Harris says, I don't believe it. And then they hyperspice, they hyper, hyper drive away. Hyper, hyper, hyper spice jump. <laughs> Another Dune reference. Gotta love them hyperspice. <laughs> Harris says this super sitcom line. And she says, if we don't jump now, this is going to be, our ship's going to become an actual ghost. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) It is such a sitcom line. Once again, everything she says, you can put a laugh track behind. And gosh, and I wonder if she's said that joke before too. She's just like (laughs) waiting for someone to acknowledge her. She's she's that's why she called Ezra in to begin with. She's like, oh man, I get to use this line that no one else has laughed at yet, but I have a new new audience now. I know she probably because she's always stuck in the cockpit like waiting for people. She probably yeah. just sits by herself like trying out jokes on Chopper. Be like, how about this one, Chopper? And he's like, burp, burp. <laughs> That's why he's so angry. <laughs> oh, I say this every episode, but I freaking love Hera. <laughs> yeah. Mom Hera. Yep. All right. So the next scene we get to uh, is we are aboard the Relentless after the ghost escapes yep. and we see the Inquisitor talking to admiral cassius constantine and i researched him mm-hmm. and you will find it very interesting to know there is nothing interesting about him hmm. <laughs> it's just a guy with a mustache and a kick butt name <laughs> uh, cassius constantine i mean those mutton chops yeah on his face <laughs> like huge and i will say though the best part about this scene is that you see like a black droid roll by and i just feel like the empire all the empire's droids are black like they have to know they're the bad guys yeah. like it is such <laughs> like they paint all their droids black like it's like the hawks versus the mighty ducks like the hawks all had black oh good there, reference so, yeah right and the mighty ducks were like the bright color like you know you're the bad guys win and i just i, I don't know how i don't see it it's like that Monty Python thing. The Nazis are looking at each other like, are we the baddies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of it as maybe a lot of the, uh, you know, the members of the empire have weight issues. Like they're, you know, self-conscious about what they weigh. And they're like, we have the most slimming uniforms. I have to work for them. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's what, why Palpatine's always wearing the black robes. He's like, I look puffy today <laughs> yeah he's like i got old old boobies i can't i gotta wear my my cape yeah yeah i guess yeah when that forced lightning reflected back on him i mean not just his face wrinkled right it was yeah it been everything 
Oh, I... He's like, don't look at me. <laughs> I'm disgusting. <laughs> Always in <that> <laughs> <laughs> um, So, uh, we're back on the ghost. They're in hyperspace, and they're discussing what to do about SIBO. Uh, Dark Ezra is angry and doesn't want to help him <laughs> because he's mean. Yeah. Um, and so, SIBO tells the crew that the empire is tracking the ghost and he does like a cool thing where he projects the schematics of the ghost and shows them where the tracker is on his from his little headset thing <laughs> yeah and this is yeah uh-huh. yeah I love um that. so cool then they chop this is when chopper comes back to life <laughs> and they ask him to scan the ship like yeah 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 okay thanks for coming back to life no scan the ship um get to work get to work your rust bucket um and he says Sibo is right we are being tracked through hyperspace yeah so crazy um so they come up with a plan because the tracker is actually on the phantom um and this is a running theme about is this really the best plan um so they say (laughs) that in the middle of hyperspace they're going to detach the phantom which is extremely dangerous, Sabine tells us. Yeah. Uh, Already should be your first cue. That's a bad yeah. idea. With Kanan and Ezra in there because they're afraid of being tracked by the Inquisitor and they're going to fall out of hyperspace and then go somewhere scary, which we'll get to. But so, yeah, we get. I get that the Imperials are tracking them, but like, do they really just not have time to just like stop for a second and like either just like well, let the phantom go off safely and then get back into hyperspace or just like let chopper like fly out with his rockets and like knock the tracker off no well they're in hyperspace so if chopper flies out of the ship i feel like he, he would do what the phantom yeah does. yeah he would yeah, but like, i'm saying like stop like get out of hyperspace just like take a pit stop for like whole, five like, minutes like the whole the whole ghost yeah just like pull out of hyperspace for a second change the coordinates to somewhere nearby yeah. and because mm. she says you can change the coordinates, yeah. so like the like change it. That's what something I wondered too. It was one of those little things where mm-hmm. it's like you guys just made this like a little bit harder than you needed to, but I'm all for it because it looked really cool. So I think the logic of separating it comes from we 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 want to we want to keep a SIBO safe and out of the Imperial hands. So how we're going to do that instead of stopping the whole ghost? We're going to detach the Phantom. That way, Sibo is most definitely safe. And yeah. if someone is going to get hurt, it's like Kanan and Ezra are kind of sacrificing. They're disposable. Yeah. yeah. Even though they seem to be the least disposable of the crew. But yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like the last two yeah. Jedi that I, they know of. I get that. I guess that this is more of a question. Like, how <laughs> much time would they have? So say, I mean, I don't know where anything geographically is. So let's just say yeah. like, their current coordinates they're going to Yavin and they're on their way like halfway there is Dantooine so like why don't they just be like alright change the coordinates to Dantooine we'll stop at Dantooine for like 15 minutes and like take care of this tracker not thing. even yeah. or not even like, stop for like pop it off yeah. Yeah, stop for a minute nice. pop off I mean I guess it I guess it makes sense with so they're in a rush yeah. and they don't want to, if they stop, that'll look suspicious, especially if they put their coordinates back in again. Mm, that's a good point. So they'll be like, oh, why did they stop there? And uh, they'll go there, but then they'll keep following as well, as opposed to being like, I guess that, I mean, although I guess it it, it does stop anyway, because yeah. it falls out and it stops anyway. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, if we're going to talk about holes and plans, I mean, we might, might as well go back to the beginning. And the first thing I thought of is like when the Inquisitor successfully shoots that tar- they, the targeting missile onto the ghost, like, why not just make, why couldn't he just like made that an explosive thing? If it's going to target that well, like, just make it an explosive. He wants Ezra. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. Hmm. Oh, I want to damage the good. And he's prideful. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't just want to win. He wants to gloat. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't know if it's been established, but do they want to like kill Sibo or do they want to capture him and like see what's in his head? Well, at this point, because you also have to remember this is before the Death Star plans were taken. They're not taking any of these rebellion cells seriously. They think they're pretty invincible right now. I I think Crystal's right about like, I think the Inquisitor wants to like, he wants to win. He wants to like <laughs> jump, yeah. jump off the high rope and yeah, watch the audience have, have tear his blouse in front of the audience and <laughs> and yeah. pin them. I'm thinking about not one thing about that's Libre really right interesting about the Inquisitor <laughs> is that he never blames anyone else for his mess ups, mm-hmm. hmm. and that is oh, like the yeah. opposite of what a lot of dark, you know, like Sith or bad guys. Well, immediately, like, I mean, especially uh, Cassius. I mean, he just, like, uh, yeah. kicks the guy off the railing just because. And, and, oh, my gosh, when I watch this with my husband, anytime someone dies, we go, murder. Because it's all, there's so much death in this show. Seriously. It's just, like, murder, murder, because that's murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, kicks off. But the Inquisitor, and especially in this episode, uh, is was one of when I was watching this with a analytical mind because I knew we were going to talk about it. I was like, he never once he says the his master is going to be displeased, mm-hmm. but he never takes it out on the stormtroopers, which must be so unsettling for them. <laughs> it's scary. I know they're like they've been like gaslit. They're just like, oh my god, something worse is probably going <laughs> about to happen. Yeah, and we've it's funny that you bring that up. We talk we talk about murder a lot on this show because there are so many like straight up murders and even more than murder like executions like oh my god you just shot that person like so close in the head like that was <laughs> uh-huh like, whoa that takes that takes some real callousness but it's war you gotta, you gotta some do alexander callousness oh <laughs> that's where it comes from <laughs> all right so their genius plan which we've established is probably the best plan <laughs> Um, is that Ezra and Kanan can't be on the ghost because the Inquisitor is not going to stop coming for them. So they decide to go to Fort Anaxis, which is where that abandoned base that Sabine and Hera found with all the nasties that are in the shadows. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You want to detach while in hyperspace? Do you know how incredibly dangerous that is? Not as dangerous as what I plan to do with the ship. Can't wait to hear this. I checked our current trajectory. If you can modify the hyperspace coordinates... I could. Then we can pass by the asteroid field where the old clone base is. You mean the base with the nasties who live in the shadows? Wait, what? Um, so they detach in the middle of hyperspace. This is a pretty cool visual. This so. is, yeah, epic. This is, yeah. I've, I've never seen this. Like It's detaching. so cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it is yeah. so, when I, I remember watching this episode for the first time and being like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Because I never even thought about what it would look like no. because I never thought anyone would try to do it, which is why I'm really glad they did. But the idea that it just stretches out reality yeah. Yeah. and it probably hurts really bad. I wanted one of them to throw up after, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess you can't get everything. 
I wanted it to go on for like, seriously, how cool it would have been if it was like five minutes of that and like kind of went 2001 Space Odyssey where like you just see their faces and like flashing lights and like it gets like so trippy. I mean, I know this show wouldn't do that. Yeah. Or like in Contact when Jodie Foster is going through the wormhole and one of her faces is saying one thing and then she shifts over to the side and she starts saying another thing. Oh, yeah. Do you guys remember that part? yeah. She's like, it's so beautiful. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Of. Yeah, oh, I love it. I, I I have to figure out a way to make uh, like a a fan episode of the just five minutes of them de- detaching in hyperspace and getting so trippy. Like we can play, we can play some Jimi Hendrix. We can put some jellyfish in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go to the scary base with the scary monsters. Um. And Kanan and Ezra land, and Kanan says Ezra needs to make a connection with the Frynox if mm-hmm. they're going to survive this. So they go in, they're surrounded by the Frynox, they're closing in, and Ezra's struggling. He's trying to keep him back, he's trying to make a connection, and he can't control him because he's afraid. Kanan keeps saying, what are you afraid yeah. of? And it's actually a pretty sweet moment. that was a really well-earned moment like for all the cheesiness and kind of silliness of the show sometimes that was one of the first really genuine moments where i don't know everything just felt like it was really done well um and when that moment came and he kind of like this it felt like a very cathartic moment for ezra i felt i don't know it just felt very well earned and well done well set up and it lifted eight years of guilt off SIBO. totally yeah which apparently now that was the part that was really messing up his brain the most was how bad he felt because i mean that's why he did the whole thing Mm -hmm. dobby is free (laughs) 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 yay yeah and i like how it has like a like a physical manifestation where it snaps to sibo right when he says i'm sorry or i forgive you or whatever he says yeah so sibo Sibo wakes up and becomes lucid so sibo has some force connection right yeah i don't or, or big brother uh, he knows everything. Ezra didn't even realize he did it and sent because that thought was so powerful. Maybe he sent that to someone, hmm. but like they didn't need to have the force to hear it. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Maybe it's like a related cousin to the Jedi mind trick where you can like send thoughts into people's heads. Hmm. He reached out with the force and was like, I forgive you. Oh, he's like, okay. Oh, okay. Thanks, Thanks Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. I like that. I forgive you too. Yeah. It was really nice. Oh God, it's so sweet. Aww. Poor Sibo. Sometimes he reminds me of my dog and I just want to I just want to hug him. <laughs> oh. Um, so at that moment we oh, yeah. zoom out and Ezra has made a connection. I love this shot. They're all just all the Frynox are just kind of sitting like obedient dogs yeah. and like the only thing that's moving is their eyes are blinking in the dark. Uh-huh. It is one of the best shots. It's really ever. cool. Like yeah. not just cartoon, not just this episode. And this is the part I had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that this is the only episode of Rebels that brought tears to my eyes. This part 
gives me goosebumps every time. It's so magical and it's everything that I expect learning how to use the force would feel like. And you just see these creatures patiently looking at him. He's calm and serene for the first time ever. You see him actually chilled. And the fact that it starts over like at Kanan Mm. and then swoops down over his shoulder around the back of him to the ground. So you get that nice uh, low POV. Mm. Oh, my God. Or not POV, uh, like a low angle shot. Oh, I I have goosebumps talking about it right now. Uh. It's crazy. Um, have you guys <sighs> seen that movie, How to Train Your Dragon? <laughs> Duh. Yes. Okay. The best movie of yeah, all okay. time besides Star Wars. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. So all the Frynox in this scene when they're sitting obediently totally look like that main dragon, Toothless. Toothless. <laughs> yeah. They all they look do. like it to me. And that's why I love them so much, I bet. I think that's in that moment why I was like, oh my gosh, they're adorable. Because it was that dragon. <laughs> How to train yeah. your Frynox. <laughs> oh, man. How to train your Frynox. <laughs> I would watch that. Holy crap. <laughs> um, so, Which, by the way, are not related to Minox. Just to clear the air, because I know we're all wondering. Yeah. yeah. I was That's wondering. Thing. But we talked about that already. Don't get me started. That's like in with uh, Tatooine and Dantooine. Yeah. Just don't name something super similar if it's not going to be like <laughs> super similar. Yeah. I know. Seriously. Uh, so it jumps out at this moment. It moves away from the Fort Anakis and goes back to the ghost mm. where we see the ghost meeting up with Fulcrum. So it's this, so far we've heard of Fulcrum. We don't know who Fulcrum is, but we hear Fulcrum's voice for mm-hmm. the first time. Fulcrum to ghost. Docking complete. Heading to the airlock now. Acknowledge Fulcrum. We're ready and waiting. I don't suppose Zeb and I could get to meet Fulcrum this time? Nope. This time you stay in the cockpit. That's what we did last time. Yeah, and Sabine and Zeb were like, oh, can we finally meet this famous Fulcrum? It's like, not yet. Um, so, Crystal, have you, do you know who Fulcrum is yet? Because you've seen season one. I've seen season one, so I do not know. Okay, so I would love to, because I, I was oh. trying to kind of jump back in time and think about who I was thinking Fulcrum was. So for our listeners sake, I don't want to, we'll tell you offline if you're right, but I don't want to spoil it on the podcast, but yeah, don't spoil. I'll guess I'll give you my theory, but don't tell me if I'm wrong because I've gone out of my way not to look like, cause you always can. Cause I'm always looking at the Wikipedia (laughs) for everything and I want to go to Fulcrum and I want to click it so bad. And I'm like, don't do it. Okay. Yeah. So we won't tell you, but yeah. What, what do you think? I think it's Princess Leia. Okay. Just because I was like, oh, woman's voice. Okay. So you, okay. Rebellion. I bet this is someone important. And then I was like, oh, I bet it's Leia. And uh, when a couple episodes, well, it was either that or Ezra's mom. Because mm. I was like, oh, maybe they're going to bring that back in. But I, uh, because they, um, what is it that Bail Organa says? He's like, I hope they, they didn't see my face. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you didn't tell him who we are. Yeah. And that made me think along the lines of, oh, maybe this is the Organa's business and they're still trying to keep quiet. Th- those are my theories. So I'm excited Perfect. to see what actually ends up happening. Cool. Mm, okay, cool. All right. When you finally see it, you need to email us because yeah, I want to get your reaction. I will. All right. Perfect. Yeah, tweet at us because I'd be yeah. uh, very curious. Um, cool. So we don't, yeah, we don't know who Fulcrum is at this point. Um, and before they leave, we see that Sibo is now awake. He's, he's lucid and seems to be in some control of himself now that he's been 
released by Ezra's forgiveness. And he tells Hera that he tried to make amends with uh, to the Bridgers by downloading all the Imperial data into his head. So mm-hmm. he did this. Um, and we know that getting these implants is voluntary. So he did this for a reason. He was trying to get all this data. Um, but while downloading the data, he learned of the Bridgers' fate and leaves a message with Hera for Ezra. So I think that's a nice cliffhanger. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, I don't, I don't know. Sibo is, this is such a, these, this is such a genuine episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, you know, after like an episode like Droids in Distress where it's like R2-D2 and C-3PO are being like silly and funny and you know, there's some, right. there's some slapstick going around this episode. These are the episodes that in the moments that make me love Rebels. Yeah. Same. Um, so we're back on Fort Anaxis. I don't really know how to pronounce it, but that's what yeah. it's called. Anaxis. It's time for the Inquisitor showdown. Uh, the Inquisitor heads to the surface with a contingent of stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Um, the shuttle's interesting. It's the first time we see it. I thought it was like the oh. Lambda class shuttle uh, yeah. from like Empire and stuff like yeah. that. But slightly different. It's uh, the Sentinel class shuttle. And it was made for the special edition of A New Hope, but it was never actually Ugh. used. Um, so they put it in this. Don't like it. <laughs> I love that they do that. I love that they do that. I like it. Oh. You don't like it? Now that I know it's from the special editions, don't like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. everything. I love the prequels. I love clones. I love rebels. And I, I love the special editions. It, it hurts a little bit. But. Yeah. I know. I feel you. You know what I don't like? That they made the Ewoks blink in the Blu-ray. That I do not like. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Don't do that. That's like the weirdest thing to change ever, you creep. Just let them not blink. I was just on a podcast where I was like, I think the first time I saw Star Wars was in the theater. And now I think about it and I'm like, that was so naive of me because I can't remember the first time I saw it. I can't. Mm. But I remember going to see it in the theater. But I remember watching it in the theater and being like, yo, that doesn't belong there. (laughs) So I know I had to have seen it before. Yeah. See, Uh, you're better than me because I I know it wasn't the first time I saw Star Wars, but my first real Star Wars memory that I can vividly remember is seeing it in the theater for the special edition because I'm that age. So my first like solidifying Star Wars experience was... With like weird CGI job of the hut. Yeah. Weird like jazz yeah. singer like person with, with the same and, exact line he uh, said in the other scene. Yeah. He literally has Han has the same conversation. I'm like, you oh my God. Uh, okay. We're talking about yeah. rebels. Can we I don't want to talk about this anymore? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. It's making me mad. <laughs> God, Star Wars is so stupid. <laughs> I hate Star Wars. Podcast canceled. <laughs> Um, so the troops plunge into the darkness to find Kanan and Ezra meditating and something awesome is they have flashlights on their guns I've never seen that is that new to like is that yeah that's cool as hell yeah I wonder if that's the first time we've seen that like because those those are just like standard those E11s I think stormtrooper guns and I've never seen the flashlight option Mm. activated yeah and this is another really cool shot. They're like, I wonder if they play there. flashlight tag with those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that game. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make too much sense. Yeah. You were just like, no, you didn't. You didn't get me. 
<laughs> he can't feel it, so then you have to resort to punching him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true at all. I never punched him. They probably play flashlight tag, but with like the stun setting of their blasters. Be like, gotcha. <laughs> then just knock him out. <laughs> oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Uh, I love this shot too, where they're like sitting on their knees. Yeah. And have their eyes closed and you don't see like the darkness and then they just kind of lift their hand. The Frynox just like go out. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I feel bad for the Frynox because they didn't want to be a part of this. Seriously. It's not like they're best friends. They tricked them. Yeah. And now they're running to their death. It's unsettling. Yeah. I felt that way when the Inquisitor like slashed one with his lightsaber. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that just got real. Murder. Yeah, totally. Murder. Uh, thematically, it's kind of interesting. So I'm reading, or I just finished the new Luke Skywalker book and uh-huh. there's a scene in it that, I mean, I don't know, spoilers kind of, I guess not really, but there's a story where, you know, the space worm in empire that swallows, oh, yeah. uh, the William Falcon, Luke Skywalker gets swallowed by that thing and like lives in it for a while because he can't get out to get out for some reason he has to like cut open these creatures cocoons that like does some force stuff to get him out it doesn't make a lot of sense but the big struggle is he has to take a life to save his life and he almost doesn't do it because he can't bring himself to make that sacrifice on someone else's behalf and i feel like this is the opposite they're just like all right we're gonna take all these creatures and just kill them all for our just for yeah. like a distraction, basically, because it doesn't even Granted, do anything. those creatures were definitely trying to kill them before. Yeah, that is yeah. fair. But I mean, you're also on their turf. Yeah. You're, yeah. You weren't supposed to be there. Totally. They were there living there peacefully. You're going to come in and expect them to be nice to you. And you're like, uh, get out of my house. There's a lot of the Jedi conflict that Luke is going through. You know, all these creatures in the belly of this thing are trying to kill us, but I don't have the right to kill them. Yeah. Both the Inquisitor and Kanan are kind of faking it. Yeah. Because Kanan never finishes Jedi training. The Inquisitor is not really like a Sith. Jedi school dropout. <laughs> and I think a lot of the new EU is showing like their shades to the Force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not everyone is a yeah. Jedi or a Sith. You know, some people are just like force users who are bad guys and some people are trying to do good things yeah. but sometimes they screw up so i think thematically it's actually kind of cool yeah yeah gotta love that gray jedi yeah <laughs> and in the uh the uh new darth vader comics that are coming out right now the emperor is like super he, he emphasizes the inquisitors are not sith they're yours to control and do your bidding but they are not us and so mm-hmm. vader is very much using the inquisitor as a pawn so, yeah. So the Inquisitor and Kanan uh, start dueling and Ezra is still commanding Frynox to kind of take out stormtroopers and stuff. Um, I like how like Ezra, like once he gets it, he just gets it and he's just like, all right, I'm the master of beasts now and just can completely control them. Um, and so in the middle of the fight... The Inquisitor knocks out Kanan and then Ezra goes after him and he just kind of easily disarms him. He's like, whatever. I, I, I have to talk about for a second yeah. during the fight. I This is one of the first times in Rebels I noticed the music, which is done by mm. Kevin Kiner. He also did Clone Wars yeah. and he also did Love Boat, The Next Wave. Oh. Um, <laughs> Uh, wow. Yeah, well, he did a lot of stuff, but that's the uh, other one I chose to throw in. The most important yeah. one. Yeah. Love Boat, The Next Wave. Uh, but I think he's, uh, this is a really, if you go back and listen to the music during this like two minute fight, it is, I've never heard this score before. Um, 
I, you know, I could be wrong about yeah. that. It's the first time it being there, but I think it's, I don't know. I thought it was really, really great. It is really good music. I love the music in Rebels. Mm-hmm. All, every episode, everything, they put just enough of regular Star Wars in. So it feels like you're really watching it. It's awesome. Totally. Which you are. <laughs> yeah. And it's so smart. Like, I love that the, just the theme, quote unquote theme for Rebels is just like that music sting, just the dun, 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 dun. Ooh, like it's just like it. super small. <laughs> it's so iconic and so Star Wars, but so Rebels at the same time. It's very smart yeah. how they did it. Yeah. Um, so the Inquisitor has disarmed Ezra and knocked out Kanan and he's just like taunting him. He's just like, you're a wuss. You're scared. Come to the dark side uh-huh. because you're a little weenie, and Ezra does not like it. That's one, that's a direct quote. Yep. Get back! Ah yes. Good God! Unleash your anger. <laughs> I will teach you what your master could not. You don't have anything to teach me. The darkness is too strong for you, orphan. It is swallowing you up even now. No. Your master will die. No! Your friends will die, and everything you've hoped for will be lost. This is the way the story ends. No! <laughs> um, I do like that when he, like, takes Ezra's lightsaber, and I took a screenshot of this, mm-hmm. Ezra's face is, like, uh, he goes from, like, being scared <laughs> to, like, going, he has, like, this, oops, sorry, like, like this, this kind of grin. Um, yeah. He almost, like, looks at the camera grin. and is like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it was a Zach Morris, yep. a Zach Morris <laughs> yeah. moment for sure. So, he's being cornered by the Inquisitor. That was a Saves the Bell reference, And he's getting <laughs> Oh. Breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> Um, so in his fear, he goes kind of super saiyan and summons a gigantic fried on. Oh, I got chills. Yeah. Me too. I was like, what's going to happen? Yep. Um, so this fried comes out and corners the inquisitor. Uh, but the stress of controlling such a big creature knocks out Ezra and he faints. Yeah. Uh, two comments about this. One very Star Wars solution to something. What's scarier than a fry knock? A bigger fry knock. <laughs> yeah. Bigger fry knock. Like, that is yep. such a Star Wars move. Like bigger than a Death Star. A bigger Death Star. Better than a Death Star. A planet Death Star. Like, yeah. Uh, but and then I really really like that Ezra uh, faints because. There mm-hmm. are a few fantasy novels and shows that do this, where the effects of using magic or the force have a physical toll on the body Mm -hmm. like in harry potter which we keep bringing up this happens or if you've read those books the inheritance cycle this happens and i really like that there's that the force takes a physical toll on him because it is something physical right that you're you're using and you don't see it deplete jedi that often but maybe it's because they have better control over it and they know how much they can use you know they have to Maybe they have mana spells they're drinking in between, but um, <laughs> but I like that. I like that physical toll. Yeah, and we see it a lot with Kanan, too. Mm-hmm. He gets tired when he's doing stuff, which is the first time you see a Jedi really getting tired after he does something, because usually they're just, like, hopping and jumping and doing everything they need to do. So when I first time I saw Kanan get tired, I was like, ah, he sucks. <laughs> he sucks at being a Jedi. 
but it's it is awesome to see yeah. Ezra faint totally, and especially because it was a an emotional toll for him too because yeah. the energy he pulled from was not the good kind. Yep. Yeah, and and once again, and it feels thematically um, on track that Kanan is like he does uh, using the force takes a physical toll on him because once again he his training stopped as a padawan so he never he never was able to you know learn from jedi about how to control this so i like that yep um and so kanan wakes up and he's like oh my gosh what's happening um and he's <laughs> freaked out for ezra uh the inquisitor is ends up fending off the Frydock, but kanan's able to grab ezra who's still knocked out and run back to the Phantom um, and escape. Inquisitor says, my master will not be pleased. Dun, dun, dun. Such a good line. Yeah. Just so matter of fact, and he's like disappointed, yeah. and it's like he knows he's going to get in trouble, but he's not yeah. taking it out on his friends. Yeah, they don't say, you know, point blank, who his master is, unless you watch the first episode on Blu-ray. <gasps> Spoiler. Yeah, oh, what you don't see in the sh- oh. oh no, I'm just kidding. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, it was in the, it was in the Blu-ray. If you watch the Blu-ray, but if you don't, if you're just watching on TV, you don't know that. So yeah, it is weird. That like I remember being like, wait, who's who's the master? Oh my god, could it be Vader? Could Vader be in this show? <laughs> Which so cool. Um, so they're back on the ghost. Ezra feels cold and doesn't remember what happened. Cannon says, if your will is not strong enough when you open yourself to the force, you become vulnerable to the dark side. So I actually, I like this because um, you kind of see like the first time that they meet the Inquisitor is the first time that Ezra is even hearing about the dark side. And it seems like Cannon's philosophy is kind of like, maybe if I just don't talk about it, he won't fall to the dark side. <laughs> and it kind of shows yeah. how... The abstinence model. Yeah. It's like kind of shows how Kanan's like <laughs> trying to figure this out because he's never been a teacher and he hasn't even really completed his training and he might not be very good at being a teacher, but he's trying his best. Um, so he has to kind of give him the talk, you know, closing the door, just dad and son talking about the dark side. And he apologizes for not teaching Ezra what he needs to know and says Ezra's powers are growing so fast. To be fair, it's been like a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. It can't be more than a month since Ezra's been picked up. Yeah. Although time is weird with this because the episode where Ezra's building his lightsaber, Uh Seb says something about it. He's been working on that thing for months and I wouldn't know time went by unless they said that. Yeah. Yeah. So there could be a crazy amount of time. Yeah. Well, there's also an episode where like he joins stormtrooper oh, school right. and goes through like, and that's like months many many yeah. levels of training as a stormtrooper oh no one month right he's oh, okay. i think yeah, kanan yeah. says it's been a month yeah they don't really establish the time frame super well hmm. yeah um hmm. so hera says that she has a message for ezra but uh-huh. kanan interrupts saying hey ezra needs some time He's going through changes <laughs> and that him and Hera need to talk. Yeah. That was a real mom and dad interaction. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is another very sweet thing, but Ezra's a little down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. So Sabine fi- has a present for him. Uh, she gives him the holodisc that Ezra found in the house, but didn't really work. And Sabine cleaned it up for him. And it's a picture of Ezra with his mom and dad. 
And Sabine gives it to him and wishes him a happy birthday. Ah! Yeah. It kills me. (laughs) It's so good. It's also, this episode is one of the only ones that I've, I've seen where Sabine, or I guess up till now, where Sabine actually calls Ezra by his name and not kid. Yeah. Uh, I have one thing to say about this picture, mm-hmm. and I'm going to quote someone, Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> men, <laughs> men have wasted away before it, not knowing if what they have seen is real or even possible. Ooh. This picture is totally the mirror of desire for Ezra. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so many Harry Potter references today. <laughs> I love it. I know, right? Like, Harry Potter Star Wars. Thanks for listening to Harry Potter Minute. <laughs> They actually just came back with a second season. Do you see yeah, that? Yeah, they did. So yeah. check that show out. So. Totally. Yeah. Cool. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. It was a great episode. Um, okay. So overall impressions and feelings about the episode. So how we wrap up each episode is we present a rating scale based on the, it's totally subjective, based on the worst thing in Star Wars in your mind to the best thing in Star Wars in your mind. Um, so, so here, Peter will give you an example. Um, so my scale is from Jar Jar Binks being farted on by Neopi and him going, Piusa, um, to that dark lightsaber fight in Return of the Jedi. And he's like, ah, Uh in the Emperor's Chamber. I love that. Um, so between those two things, I put that this episode is Luke in the Rancor pit. Because I am emotionally conflicted about it. I remember watching it on TV. This was the first episode back from the big break that they did. And so I was like really geared up. And I I remember thinking like, that was cool, but maybe not as cool as I thought it was. But on revisiting it, I really like it. And I also felt like Malakili because I cried. (laughs) So it's kind of like a B minus. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... Interesting. B minus. So my grade is on a scale of C-3PO was created by Anakin Skywalker, which is awful, (laughs) to Luke staring into the twin sunset as John Williams' binary sunset themes plays while on Tatooine, which is the most magical thing in the world to me. I'm going to call this episode a Luke in Yoda's house (laughs) on Dagobah helping cook dinner. Um, which to me, it resonates this feeling of warmth and love and coziness. And I'm going to give this episode an A. Really like this episode. Me too. So we're putting you on the spot here. Uh, Okay. But worst thing and best thing. Okay. So I guess on a scale from you so follow me now, Okie Day, (laughs) to... (laughs) (laughs) to the force will be with you always i think this episode is you're not nice you're and then the kiss i just did lines and i picked you're not nice you're because it's the beginning of something really great and i think that this episode brought me into rebels the most out of all of them in when i was watching it for the first time yeah and it also this episode had a lot of feeling for me and that i think is one of the most felt lines in star wars like i love you i know is one thing but she says that Mm. kind of out of desperate knees might die you gotta say it but that was like 
they're flirting with each other, super close to each other <laughs> mouse. And he's like, I'm a nice man. He's like, you're not nice here. And they kiss. Oh, I got goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it. Um, but that's exactly what this episode does to me too. It nice. gives me goosebumps like crazy. What would the letter grade be if you had to give it a letter grade? Yeah. Ooh. What does that translate to? Uh, probably an A minus nice. B plus A minus right on the cusp. Like maybe if it did like extra credit, it would have gotten into the A minus, mm. but <laughs> only because of, um, the, the weird, the weird, uh, smirk mm-hmm. that he gives when the lightsaber gets taken away. Yeah. That part bugged me. <laughs> yeah. That bugged me too. Can't perfect. give it a perfect day. Cause there's some parts where I was like, all right. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you. This is awesome. Uh, where can the people find you? The people can find me online at the Crystal nice. Bath on Twitter and Instagram. You can also listen to me uh, talk on on the internet on podcasts. Oh, <laughs> A lot of podcasts too. Cool. <laughs> I I do internet things. It's crazy. Nice. And uh, my podcasts are the Fifth Element which is a podcast about the fifth element that I talk about minute by minute and unlimited lives radio, which is a video game podcast hosted by four comedians in New York who talk about why they love video games and the news of the time and all things like that. And we also stream live on Twitch, that podcast every week on Thursdays at 6 PM. Nice. And if you go to moviesbyminutes.com, all of those podcasts, most of them I've been a guest on. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, awesome. Question about yeah. question about your video game podcast. Do you guys ever mm-hmm. vis- revisit old video games, or is it? Yep, we have a segment called Popcorn Classics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you ever talked about Zeno Gears? Oh, gosh, Mike's obsessed. I with don't this think game. so. <laughs> I love this game, and no one, <laughs> and I feel like I can't find anyone to like talk about it with. I'm like, who knows this game? <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have I guarantee you. My husband's played it. He's one of the co-hosts as well. Okay. Um, I guarantee you he has okay. and we'll talk about it next week. That's oh, awesome. Please. Great. Subscribe to all that stuff. Check her out on all the social medias. Thank you so much, Crystal. This was awesome. Of course. I loved being here. Cool. Uh, okay. Well, Peter, uh, it's that time of the episode again where we do uh, some character portraits. Mm. Do you mind if I jump in here? Oh, yeah. It's like being wrapped in a warm blanket with a hot cup of cocoa. Yes. Well, I'm excited to talk about this because the comic books have been coming out and releasing some information on the Inquisitor. So this couldn't Mm -hmm. be timed better. We should also shout out to check out our bonus episode because Jonah Marie a little while ago had some really cool Inquisitor episode information that we yeah. are going to expand on. Yeah, I'm not going to step on too much of it. No. But the Inquisitor basically, here's some things we didn't talk about. He was born in 47 BBY on his home world of Utapau. So here in this episode, he's 43. Hmm. Um, Older than X. Utapau is freaking awesome too. We first see it in Revenge of the Sith. Hmm. Um, we even see the Utapauans for the first time, who look a lot like the Inquisitor. He's here. No war unless you brought it with you. Um, mm. So the Grand Inquisitor, commonly known as the Inquisitor, was the name adopted by this Powan male who was once a Jedi Knight who turned to the dark side of the Force and became the leader of the Inquisitor Inquisitorius, which is a band of Jedi hunters who basically serve uh, the Emperor. And they rock. And they rock. 
Anrol. And the yeah. Inquisitor, so the the Inquisitor was once a Jedi Temple guard and mm. was involved in events surrounding the bombing of the Jedi Temple during the Clone Wars. He also arrested the innocent and later exonerated Padawan Ahsoka Tanu, as well as he helped um, capture the culprit Barris Ophi. Are you going to talk about what led to him leaving the order? Becoming dissolution a little bit, but you can jump in because you just mentioned it. The actually the trial of yes exactly. Ahsoka Tano is yeah. what made him dis- disillusioned with the Jedi because he also yeah. thought that she was being treated unfairly. Yes, cool. Exactly. This, that's that's basically where it was headed. Sick. Um, but after his fall to the dark side, um, the Grand Inquisitor was responsible for for hunting down and eliminating Jedi, which he did. And did successfully. Uh, he personally served the Sith Lord Vader, for whom he received his his direct orders and was intimately familiar with the Jedi records, with the rep- with the records of the Jedi Temple. And this comes up in those comic books actually, where you see the Inquisitor actually, um, you see him in the library, like reading books and like mm-hmm. his feet on the table and him like chucking the books to his side. And that's when he gets like Jocasta new super mad. Yeah. She comes down and fights him. So and that's sick. when Vader comes in and Vader actually tries to almost kills the Inquisitor <laughs> before the Emperor stops him and says basically, hey, this guy's working for us kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, and the reason he, tr- he falls from the dark side was a lot of disillusionment and a lot of that has to do with Ahsoka Tano. Um, so that is really interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some things about him personally... He, so those red lines on his face aren't part of Utapawan, like, it's not like an Utapawan thing, like, they have those markings, those are tattoos on his face. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. But culturally, because the he, one we see in, uh, in Revenge of the Sith has, like, red tattoos on his face, too. No. So they're not born with it, but. I don't like, think he does. Uh, I'm gonna look up a picture. Yeah, because I don't think that's true. It looks different. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Is that not a? Oh, uh, I think those are just like bags under his eyes. But it, like, kind of goes down, but down his cheeks. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just wearing makeup. Hmm. Well, the ones on the Inquisitor are much more, much more striking, almost like stripes. Yeah, that's true. So these are tattoos. These aren't a part of like anything. What of what Uwapawans look like? Um. Yeah, so he has those tattoos. He has he wears black armor emblazoned with the crest of the Galactic Empire. He carries that red gyroscopic double bladed lightsaber, um, and yeah, he when he flies. This is something I found interesting. So we <laughs> see him fly, see him fly a tie advanced mm-hmm. uh, V one starfighter. He has to wear those like he has to make sure he wears like the special uh, adjutant's helmet. Because apparently, um, Powans have hypersensitive ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Which I thought was funny. So they have hypersensitive ears. Why do you need a whole uh, helmet for hypersensitive ears? I don't know, but he has to wear one. Um, some background on the Inquisitor. Uh, he was the first character actually announced for Star Wars Rebels. The huh. char- he was revealed like in a 2013 Comic-Con in New York. Hmm. Um, in which a video was shown introducing him as the Jedi Hunter and like the recurring antagonist 
Um, in 2015, Filoni revealed that the Inquisitor appeared in the Clone Wars. Um, and the audience didn't know that. You know, he said, like, oh, he was at the Jedi Temple. He was a guard there and a Jedi Knight. And at the a press conference for The Twilight of the Apprentice, the finale of the show's second season, Filoni revealed that the Grand Inquisitor was in the Clone Wars fifth season finale, The Wrong Jedi, as mm -hmm. one of the Jedi Temple guards who escorted yeah. Tanu um, and Barriss Ophi. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting, but there's totally. not a ton to be said about the Inquisitor. I think his story is really interesting, and I think it would have been fun if it was you played out a little more in the show and, like, a little less in the background, but, mm -hmm. um, but I like his story. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting. I think it's just obviously written after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like they didn't really utilize it in the show super well, um, because it is interesting. So, there's the Inquisitor. If you have warriors, now is the time. Hey Mike, are you ready to go over the greatest hits of Sum 41? No. Well, that's too bad because it's time that we get into deep <laughs> and we're going to get uh -oh. deep on lightsaber forms. <laughs> I get it. That was a big stretch. I don't like it, but I get it. <laughs> um, so... We talked about Form 3 a little bit, you did, and it was fantastic, so I'm going to go over some of the other ones. We'll mention Form 3 really quickly, but I thought this was an interesting thing that we kind of saved for a couple episodes. Each style of lightsaber fighting has a different form, um, and so let's go through them really quickly. Form 1 is also called Shicho, and they also have like multiple names, so it's called Shito, Shicho. Way of the Sarlacc, or the Determination Form. Hmm. So this was the first form ever created, and it's kind of the basis for everything you need to know. So it's the first one that's taught to younglings when they pick up a lightsaber, and it provides the basic knowledge of just like sword fighting and blaster deflection. It's kind of what you need to know in order to build on more complex forms. Yeah. Um, one of the big things is this form also teaches users to rely on the force instead of their natural abilities. So that is why it's usually taught while the user is blinded. So that is what mm -hmm. Luke is learning when he's training with the target remote on the Falcon. Sure. So notable practitioners are everybody because that's <laughs> yeah, what you need <laughs> to know. Um, they did say like some people who are just maybe less advanced Jedi just only use form one and never really built on. Um, but they're the real slackers. Um, form two is also known as Murkashi way of the Yalsamiri or the contention form, okay. which the Yalsamiri like, sure. I, is, is that actually canon? I don't know. I should look into that, but that's something from the Thrawn novel that like, it's like this slug that they're like, that lives in a tree, but it neutralizes force powers. It's really weird. Huh. So like he like has these trees of these slugs and like it makes Luke Skywalker not able to like fight back. It's weird. 
But anyway, this is a specialist form for duels. Uh, form two relies heavily on careful and controlled swipe strikes instead of powering strength and big swipes. Um, so it was developed as a precise counter to form one. So mm. notable practitioners are Count Dooku, the Grand Inquisitor, Hyari Mundi, Asajj Ventress, and Shock T. I love it. Love Shock T. Yeah. So I should also note for these uh, practitioners, not all of these were. I found various sources that some people practice different things. So some of them I got from different sources, but I also made inferences on some of them. Um, which we'll mm. get to in a little bit. Um, but yeah, you see like Count Dooku is like very like Zoro with his lightsaber fighting. So that's form two. Form huh. three, you mentioned Sorisu Wei the Minoc or the resilience form is a form more focused on defense than attack. And it's generally only used by the Jedi because it kind of envisions or it embodies like, you know, that the whole like, always for defense never for attack um which i know you mentioned some of the people were practitioners uh deepa balaba and kanan obi-wan kenobi luke skywalker barris offrey luminara and and the grand inquisitor you may notice a theme mm. yeah yep uh form four also known as ataru uh or the way of the hawk bat or the aggression form is an acrobatic combat style that's more suited to open spaces. It's powerful and offensive <laughs> and it relies on acrobatics and speed. So this form requires the user to allow the force to flow through them and giving the, which gives them almost supernatural abilities. Mm -hmm. um, so an example of this would be Yoda, who's like kind of like, old and crippled but he lets the force flow through him when he fights and flips around and does crazy stuff um in the last years of the republic anakin skywalker actually made adjustments to the classic form for techniques and demonstrated them in a holographic recording that was later found wow. by kanan so there's like a little like form 4.2 that anakin kind of made um, so some of the practitioners are Quinlan Voss, Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, Darth Sidious, Aayla Secura, Yoda, Anakin, and the Grand Inquisitor. Wow. So like, this is an example, Darth Maul and Darth Sidious, Sidious weren't mentioned specifically in any of the things I wrote, but I think it's pretty obvious Darth Maul uses a acrobatic combat style and Sidious, like when he's fighting Yoda in the chambers and does like that crazy scary flip thing that seems pretty form four e so yeah take it with a grain of salt um form five also known as xian way of the crate dragon dragon or the perseverance form form five allowed a jedi to deflect blaster fire back at an opponent so it's kind of like a offensive version of form three yeah so instead of just deflecting the blaster bolts, you deflect it back at someone to turn it into offensive action. Um, a variant called Gem So, Gem So, focuses on okay. strong blocks of lightsabers followed by powerful counterattacks. Um, this is there's there's also like an ancient 
style of this, which uses like an unconventional reverse grip, which Ahsoka Tano was fond of. So some of the people who use this are Darth Vader, which I think is like the variant where he uses very strong, powerful moves. Yes, this one sounds like the like the long European long sword, like very. Mm. Yeah, I'm impressed with your sword knowledge. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Luke Skywalker was known to use it, and Mace Windu. And I'm also throwing this in, uh, but from the legends, Kyle Katarn, which was a dope Jedi, and Starkiller Mm -hmm. from the video games were known to use this form. So form six is also known as Neiman, which I think is the Mm -hmm. lamest of the names. Way of the Rancor, which is probably the coolest of the names, or the Diplomat's form, which is the lamest of the names. (laughs) this form aims to combine all forms in balance and moderation so as such this form is favored by the jedi because it works in harmony with the jedi teaching of balance within oneself it's Mm. less intensive than other forms which allows a user to focus on other areas of the battle um, like using force things like throwing things and force pushes but it also encourage the user to get the upper hand by outsmarting an opponent so you might not necessarily take him down with your lightsaber but you might you know we see this with darth vader uh, when he's fighting luke and empire you know he's shooting all those like machines at him and stuff like that while fighting him with a lightsaber um so after this is very common amongst all the jedi but after training with form one uh for a couple years a jedi would then train for 10 years in form six so obviously most of the jedi use it but also the grand inquisitor uses it and then i thought this was interesting darth maul uses this so we'll get to another the next form which seems very molly but um he actually really liked this form because he kind of like showing off all his skills so when you see him fighting at the end of phantom menace he's actually using this form a lot more than any other. Hmm. I've always heard that the sixth form, uh, Neiman is kind of, I don't know how to put it, like a, a narrative of the six, the five forms before it. It's like the yeah. six, all these six forms, but then the seventh form that you're going to talk about yep. kind of breaks, breaks the circle of those six completely. Ooh, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, it, it kind of takes the best parts of all the forms and puts them together. But then form seven is also totally known destroys them all. as Juyo, way of mm-hmm. the Vortensker or the ferocity form. Yeah. So this one is considered the most aggressive and unpredictable form. Um, this is the most difficult and demanding of all lightsaber combat, but masters were known to be almost unstoppable against a lone combatant. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah, like you said, like it, it, this is mainly a dark side technique because it's so aggressive and you kind of need to be fueled by hate a little bit. But there is a Jedi variation called Vapad, which requires the user to fall into a balanced trance that allows yeah. the force to flow through them and not succumb to the dark side. Yeah, because that's the thing I've always heard about Juyo is mm-hmm. it is a, even though it is like a hectic, it's a very focused chaos it's all about like a focused emotion yeah totally and it's almost more of a philosophical kind of form than anything yeah so a jedi when they use this um they're required to accept the fury of their opponent and transform it into joy through combat 
which mm. is an interesting concept. Um, but because of this, the Jedi warned that use of this form led users dangerously close to the dark side. So Darth Maul does use this form a lot. It seems like very Molly, like I said, um, but also Mace Windu used this form quite a bit because um, he's just, I don't know, skilled BA yeah. mother effer. Yeah. So you'll notice um, also one other note about all the forms is that the Grand Inquisitor shows up a lot as practitioners. And like you mentioned in your Grand Inquisitor deep dive, it's because he's a bit of a book nerd and he likes to do the extra credit. So he learned all these different forms. So he's kind of an expert in a lot of different forms, um, which is pretty uncommon. Um, These, I'm going to bring up two other things real quick. These aren't necessarily forms. They're just like techniques, but there's a thing called Jar Kai, which is the method of using two lightsabers at the same time. Um, There's, I thought this was funny, but there's a Jedi named Pong Krell, which is Dexter Jetster's species. And because he has four arms. Yeah. He uses a variation of Jarkai to use two double-bladed lightsabers at the same time, which is dope. Um, this form is not very common, but many Force users learn it just in case of emergency. Like um, we see like Obi-Wan throw Anakin his lightsaber and Anakin uses it for a while to fight Dooku. Um, but it was the primary form for Ahsoka Tano for Darth Maul after he kind of returned from death he gave up the double bladed lightsaber and used two lightsabers and mm. asajj ventress um also oh yeah darth sidious was known to use this technique often um which i find exceptionally scary for some reason mm. um in the book heir to the jedi luke skywalker used Jarkai um after he found a dead rodian jedi knight's lightsaber uh, to defeat a beast called a guest and he, but he admitted that he was mostly acting out of panicked reflexes instead of skill. I just bring that up because I like the idea of a Rodian Jedi. Huh. <laughs> um, the last thing is a technique called the whirlwind of destiny. It's not really even a technique. It's just a move. And basically the whirlwind of destiny was a move that was created by a nine-year-old fan named Brendan Lake, who won Hasbro's Join the Jedi contest uh, with that maneuver. So he kind of recorded himself making up this lightsaber move. And so they animated that move into the show and showed like a youngling training with it. And he received screen credit for it, which I think is just kind of funny that a nine-year-old got screen credit on Clone Wars. That's dope. That is dope. So I want to ask you uh, before we leave, out of all the forms that I mentioned, which one would you use? Ah, jeez. Um, I mean, form three is pretty mm. great. You are very about, peaceful. Because it is all about, It's. I feel like it embodies the Jedi the most, this knowledge and defense thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I like. It's not it's not for attack, it's for defense and knowledge only. Mm. So what about you? Um I'd like to say probably form five, kind of the Darth Vader like the power one, because I'm just kind of like a big guy. <laughs> but 
the real answer is I probably just would stick with form one because I was an underachiever in school. <laughs> um, but I would definitely use two lightsabers. I always thought that was like the coolest configuration. Yeah, the Ahsoka Tani thing is pretty freaking dope. Yeah. Um, like any video game where you're allowed to equip two lightsabers, that was my default every single time. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic. Yep. Went two. Yep. Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed 2. Um, yep. The Old Republic MMORPG. Yep. Are there any other lightsaber games? Something? Skyrim? I don't know. All right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Sorry. This is, this is just now, I'm just la- now I'm just naming video games I like. Yeah, so that's all I got. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you. And you know what? We did it. Thanks to Crystal Beth as well. Yeah, she was a delight. Yes, I love her podcast, Unlimited Live. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, They, they actually did a Last Jedi episode that came out a little while ago. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, Let's listen. So check that out. Check out the fifth element and check her yeah. out at the Crystal Beth on the social meds. Yes, and uh, check us out on social meds. Yeah. Nice at Rebels Rebels Pod. We're on Gmail. We're on. We have the Gmail. We have the Facebook. <laughs> we have the Instagram. We have the Twitter. Sick. Rebels Rebels Pod. Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. That's where to find us. That's how to get in contact. Nice. And uh, well, until next time. Be brave out there. And don't look back. Don't look back. Bye-bye. See you.